Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're doing good. Today is an episode that is for you, 100% for you. I invited Nathan Peterson to come on and talk to us or to have a conversation with me for you about parenting a child with anxiety or OCD when you have your own anxiety or OCD. And a lot of times we back burner our own struggles because we think, gosh, we really need to focus on our kids or I only have so much energy. I really need to like just put all my attention on getting my kids anxiety or OCD in check. And we back burner our own. And in my talk with Nathan today, you'll hear us discussing why that's not helpful. Not only is it not good for you because you deserve the help, but actually how it's not helpful for your child and how you can weave the two together so that you're not only helping your kids, but you're helping yourself at the same time without expending more energy. Because that's really, I think, a big barrier is that we just don't have the energy or the motivation to work on yet another thing. So I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Nathan. For those of you that do not know him, Nathan is an anxiety and OCD therapist. He is a licensed clinical social worker like myself. He is practicing in Texas and Utah, and but also he provides online resources very much like me. And he has a YouTube channel and he makes fantastic videos that really help educate people on how to deal with anxiety and OCD. So thought he was perfect person to kind of chat with and talk about these issues with. You can always check out his resources. I would definitely check out his YouTube channel. I recommend this whenever parents are looking for their own resources. I recommend it when I'm working with teens or young adults who want direct help. I recommend his YouTube channel and his online classes. My classes are for parents and I talk to parents. There are sometimes videos that are sprinkled in for the kids to watch, but Nathan's classes are directly for people to watch to benefit for their for themselves. And he has classes on OCD, but he also just released one on body-focused repetitive behaviors, which are like the picking, pulling type of behaviors. So check out his stuff. You can go to ocdandanxietyonline.com. And go to YouTube. You actually literally just have to write Nathan Peterson in YouTube, search him. His videos will definitely pop up. So before we get started, a couple of other announcements related to my world. I am in the middle of doing my free self-care series for parents who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD. So this was a fantastic topic because we're going to talk about your mental health in that series, or we are because it has already started, but you know, I like to make things very simple. And so it doesn't matter that it's already started. You can still join us because it's a three-part video series. I do this series twice a year. And so if you have participated before, it is the same series. It's the same videos, but I always create a Facebook group every time I do this. And I do bonus Facebook live classes and the conversations are dynamic and they're different every single time I do this series. So I walk a group of people through this self-care series. And I love that because I get to know people, they get to know me, and we really have this experience together. So if you want to sign up, all you have to do is go to 
atparentingsurvivalseries.com. Simple enough. And there'll be a sign up button. Go ahead and sign up. And then you'll get the videos directly uh, sent to your inbox. And the first video has already been released. And so you can just go to the series website when you register. And then you'll see the second video will show up. Actually, the second video is coming out today too. So it's probably up by now. And then the third video comes out on Thursday, August 26th. So at the end of the series, I am opening up my AT Parenting Community membership. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's a membership community for parents who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD. I have stopped my practice and I solely focus on this community and obviously my podcast and my YouTube channel and my online classes. But really this community is really my like main focus now. And for less than a copay, 30 bucks a month, you can get weekly classes, live classes that I do. You get access to a lot of my classes for free. You get this built-in community. You get a private member only website, a private member only Facebook group. We're a tight group of people. People can access the member only website forums and get direct support from me. And so a lot of members love that they can just reach me. And we also have kid and teen support groups once a month. So people like it for lots of different reasons. There's a lot packed into that membership. And some people only use part of the benefits because there's so much that they can tap into that even for a copay, it's worth just the support groups alone. So that's opening up next month or towards the end of August. And if you want to get on the wait list, there are special things that go out to just the wait list. And so you can go to atparentingcommunity.com, get on the wait list. At the end of the series, you'll be invited to join into the AT Parenting Community. So hope you'll join me. I hope to see you over there. Uh, we're not going to be talking about bonbons and Netflix and bubble baths. We're going to be talking about mindset, perceptions, your childhood, how that influences how you're parenting your child with anxiety or OCD, your stress level, your physical health, and how you can use that to become an early detection system so that you can be clued into your mind-body connection. We talk about your support, um, how to tell when people are charging you up or depleting your battery. So some really good in-depth stuff that goes way beyond that loose term of self-care that we use. So I hope to see you there. Before I start my interview with Nathan, I want to let you know that this podcast episode is sponsored by NoCD. And NoCD provides online OCD therapy in the US, UK, Australia, and Canada. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation just to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. So just go to treatmyocd.com and I will leave a link in the show notes. So without further ado, here is my interview with Nathan. Well, I want to welcome Nathan to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Natasha. Happy to be here and, and super honored that you invited me to talk about some topics with you. Yeah, I love your videos. I am constantly referring people to your YouTube videos and your online classes. And so I thought it'd be good for us to just chat together, you know, kind of brainstorm together for the parents out there who are struggling with anxiety or OCD, how to help them. And you'd be a good person because you work with adults. I don't. I'm an anxious person, so I can be kind of like the the client, (laughs) partly and partly therapist, but it is good to have a clinician that comes on that works with the adult population and particularly parents with anxiety or OCD. Mm -hmm. Do you see that often pop up in your practice? Yeah, very often. You know, I see adults and I also see kids as well. 
But it's it's interesting how when I'll see a child, it's usually a parent that's in the room that also has anxiety or also has OCD. And it's pretty common to see kind of that mixture of it. So it's almost directing the child as well as the parent how to handle kind of your own OCD or your own anxiety so that, yeah, you, you can do what you love, being a parent or working or whatever it is in your life. Yeah, and you're bringing up a good point that sometimes they may not be the identified client, but inevitably, I remember this in my practice wasn't that long ago, you know, that that you're navigating the whole family dynamic, you know, that anxiety and OCD is highly genetic. And, and so building up those tools and addressing the parents' triggers too can be tricky. What do you see mm-hmm. show up for parents when they're trying to help their kids when they have their own anxiety or OCD? Mm-hmm. You know, I think the nature of anxiety tends to look for potential problems, especially when it comes to parenting that, I mean, I'm a parent myself and like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just kind of guessing. Right. And so <laughs> when it comes to OCD, it's like guessing times 10. I have to guess if I'm doing the right thing or if my child's going to get better or should I send them to this party? Should I put a mask on them? Whatever the fears are in the world. It's all these what ifs, and, and with OCD, it, it you know definitely expounds on that. And so it's it's easy to take the route of like I think this is the best route. I'm not sure, but the brain won't stop thinking about the decisions that are made. And so you know whether it's parenting themselves or it's just working through other issues in their life, whether it's contamination fears or you know it impacts just the family life, and sometimes they just don't know what to do with things like that. Yeah. So there's a couple of different things that we can explore. So we're we're bringing up different ways that it can show up for, for parents. So one in their, in their child's treatment in and of itself, right. OCD or anxiety can pop up. Like you're talking about just in typical parenting, it can pop up. And then you have this separate and not a hundred percent separate area of like their own theme that may not relate to their child, but they also might be struggling with their own thing that can play a role in their child's anxiety or OCD too. Absolutely. You know, I think when it's a child that has OCD, a lot of parents will, will tell me like, you know, they can work on their own stuff, but I'm not sure I'm not, I'm ready to work on mine just because they're like, as we get older, obviously there's more responsibilities and there's so many things going on and you've dealt with OCD or anxiety for so long that it's like, I can just keep going the way I am. But what I find is the world starts shrinking and shrinking and shrinking that it's harder to to function sometimes and do the things that that you want to do. And you know, when helping a child, it's you know, I think we do this naturally as parents, so like do as I say, not as I do kind of mentality. They're like, I'm gonna do this thing, but you can't do it. And so it might be, you you know, stop doing those compulsions, stop washing your hands, but I'm still going to do it myself, or I'm still going to do my own compulsions. So just kind of wrapping around the, you know, how can parents know for themselves, what can I do as whether while my child is going through their own treatment, or if I'm going for myself, uh, what can I do to, uh, yeah, at least treat my OCD and do the right tools for it? Yeah. And some parents do say that they'll say, you know, I don't want to work on my OCD, or you might even actually 
not realize that you have OCD until you're actually hearing your child talk in therapy and be like, well, I do that. Oh, shoot. So there's that aspect too. But I do feel like, I know I've encountered a lot of parents who are like, yeah, just focus on him. Like I'm all good. And, and I wonder, you know, how, how we can motivate parents to see the value in them working on their own anxiety or OCD while their child works on it, or even if their child doesn't want to work on it, you know, cause sometimes I, I know, I don't know if you'll get this, I'll get the pushback of like, you know, I've been like, kind of like what you said, I've been like this for so long, you know? So like, let's just leave this. It's I'm not fixable. And I don't have energy for this. Like I really have to focus on my child. I'm dealing with all this stuff. I'll get into treatment later. Yeah. I think about like my life right now with all the responsibilities I have and taking care of my kids and trying to exercise, like all these different things. And then adding on top of that, like, oh, and by the way, your job is to go face some of these fears and not do those compulsions you've always been doing. Like, why would we want to add that on top of everything else? So I like that you brought that up, like the motivation, how, how can we possibly motivate a parent? The one thing I know is that like treatment works for OCD if somebody's willing to do it and they have the right tools for it, that let's say they're working with their child, their child's going to be working through exposure and response prevention, most likely. And seeing a parent do that with a child, I've had that happen multiple times where you kind of use each other in a way like, hey, mom, you know, you know, we talked about you're supposed to be touching that sponge or whatever it is. And so the child can almost call the parent out and they're like, hey, but you were supposed to go do this thing. That, that definitely motivates and brings that camaraderie, I can't say that word, <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. That you know, having that accountability partner definitely can help. And so that's one thing that I look at is whether it's a parent on their own or it's a parent with a child, like how can you guys support each other through this thing? Yeah, I think it's such a good point because it really helps your child. And I think sometimes if we think it helps our child, we're more likely to work on it. Like I didn't, I didn't work on my social anxiety at all until my kids popped up with social anxiety. And I was like, oh my gosh, well, first they were really embarrassing and they were really triggering my social anxiety. So especially my youngest, she would like no filter. And she was like the, she was like a walking exposure. So Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to deal with it. But I think if we can realize that we're actually helping our kids by making it a family affair, then, you know, it's not like there's a problem child. It's like, this is what we do in our family. This is what we do. We like, we fight fears. We walk through things and having our kids call us on our stuff. Like you said, I think is very empowering for our kids. And so then it's kind of like this democracy of, you know, exposures and working on things. I know my daughter, so she's in my support group for my community. <laughs> so she's, you know, it's this monthly support group. So she's on there and she starts to tell all the kids how she does a compulsion at night where she has to say, I'll see you in the morning. So it's like a compulsion based out of grief, you know, at the loss of her dad. And I secretly felt like I had a compulsion where I had to say, okay, I'll see you in the morning. You know, cause we didn't see him in the morning, you know, he died, he never woke up. And so when she said that she told everyone in the group, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I won't see you in the morning. And my heart just like, I, my heartbeat started to race. Like, oh my gosh, I hope she doesn't say that, you know, but you know, we have to practice what we preach. And so, you know, she's stronger than me in some areas. And so she would say, you know, and she continues to this day says, 
won't see you in the morning, mom, which I'm sure probably is going to be really weird if we have relatives staying over, you know, and I have to stay back, won't see you in the morning. And, you know, it's modeling that it's, it's modeling. And sometimes our kids can be, I think, beautiful teachers too. So I like your point that you brought up about calling each other out on that stuff. Mm. That's a perfect response to something like that, because it's, it really is like, it's uncomfortable. It seems wrong. Shouldn't be doing this. But when we recognize it as a compulsion, that's the direction we go is like, if my brain says to do this, I might actually say the opposite of what it is. And it gets easier to scale just like anything else. We just do over and over and over again. But I love that, that modeling piece because kids are always going to be watching what we do. And I think as parents, we sometimes can have that mentality that like, it's too late for us, but we can help them. They can do their thing. But that's one thing for any parent is like, it's definitely not too late. Like I've worked with individuals who are 70 plus years old, finally working on their OCD and anxiety and seeing success with it. It's like not too late. Life can be much brighter. It can be just more free. And I think it's getting through some of the hard stuff to get to the easy stuff. Yeah. It's never too late. And I think people do think that it's too late or it's going to it's going to be more energy. I'm going to have to expend more energy than I'm already expending to like then focus on myself when really you don't, if your child has anxiety or OCD, just jump on that bandwagon. So they're picking their exposures. What are your exposures? You know, they're touching this. What are you touching? So I, I don't think it has to be more work. I think you can actually piggyback on your kids. You know, <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I think for any parent with OCD specifically, like getting, getting your own treatment outside of, you know, sitting in the room, maybe with your child can be so beneficial to just know what to do. And that in itself, like that's how we parent our children is by what we learn. So if I'm learning to tolerate uncertainty, I'm going to teach my kids to tolerate uncertainty in their life. And so I think it's just building skills for yourself that you want to teach your child. Yeah. And getting your own support, whether that's through a clinician or if you don't have access or you can't afford therapy for the whole family, you know, taking one of your online classes just to start jumpstart. But I do find, and I'm sure you found this too, where I'll have a child make progress and then it's triggering the parent. So either the child's doing things, if they have the same theme, the child's doing things, touching things that child, the parent's OCD says is wrong. And so they will sometimes shut down progress inadvertently because they can't handle the discomfort or they get triggered in session child's doing exposure. And then they can't sit with the discomfort themselves. I've had parents check out. I've never seen them again. The other parent always brings them from then on. Like what happened to her? It was too much for her. So yeah, I think you're bringing up a good point to, to really dive into that, that support. Yeah. When I think of all the priorities in our life, children, I mean, if we came up with our own list, like for me, it would be you know, my family, religion, work, like all these different things that mental health, like where does that belong in my list? Because if my mental health is way down on the bottom, how am I going to achieve all my other values and goals? That it's sometimes really tough to put that back near the top, which in my opinion, even above sometimes family in the moment or sometimes work or individuals I've seen sometimes literally have to take away those other responsibilities for the moment and say, treatment is all I'm doing right now. I'm going to work on it every day, sometimes even for hours. 
to get to where I need to be, instead of thinking it as just another thing to add on top of my list where I'm already so busy, it's like, what are some things I can forego for a little bit? Um, can't get rid of our family, obviously, but mm-hmm. we can change up different responsibilities that we have to make this more of a priority. And, you know, I think we, we talk about motivation, but kind of my thing is like, we don't have to wait for motivation to come to do the things we think we need to do. Mm-hmm. And if we're waiting for that motivation, sometimes it's going to take a long time. Yeah. It's, and I mean, it may never even show up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Motivation, in my opinion, comes from doing the things that we felt like we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so if I start exercising, for example, I'm going to not, like, I don't want to do it personally, mm-hmm. but I know if I do it, I'm going to be more motivated to do it the next day and the next day. And so I didn't start with motivation. I gained it over time by doing mm-hmm. the thing I felt like I needed to do. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause I think people, people do sit around waiting for motivation, you know, and that may never come. And so it will feel more hopeful when you start to dabble in these things and you're like, you know what, that feels good. You know, I feel like I can do that now. I can sit with that discomfort more. And I agree with you. I feel like the priority as far as like faith and connection, friendships, family, our job, our safety, you know, these like these life blocks are glued together by our mental health. And so if we don't have mental health, it's all, it's just going to fall apart because mental health is what glues us together. And if you don't take care of your own mental health first, you can't help your kids because you're not an anchor, you know, and I totally get that from my own experience, you know, going through grief. It's like, I had to deal with my own grief. I had to deal with my own mental health in order to be there for my kids because dealing with their struggles and my struggles at the same time, were just a sinking ship. And so I think it's a good shift for parents to, to see that that's a priority and that they don't have to be gung ho about it. Mm. I love that. It's, it's almost like building that foundation that the foundation isn't strong. Everything else is going to crumble. Yeah. It's not later. I'll do this later. It's usually, I got to do this now because later tends to not come or it's like rock bottom and life becomes a lot harder. Treatment becomes harder. What, what can I do right now to, to make these changes in my life? And, you know, it's usually, I, like you said, it's through a clinician that you can find in your area that actually specializes in OCD, which sometimes is really hard to come by. Mm-hmm. You know, it's finding the correct tools and, and not giving up. Because mm-hmm. if I'm facing fears, my brain's going to probably tell me not to because it wants to protect me. And so having that direction to say, I know your brain says not to, but we're actually going to do it instead. Go against this because it's sending some false signals that you need to retrain it to know better. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times parents, and I get this on my my own personal level, I feel like unless we think we're actually doing it for our kids in some weird roundabout way, we're not motivated to do it. We'll we'll do more for our kids a lot of times than we'll do for ourselves, which is unfortunate. And that's a whole podcast episode in and of itself. But I feel like sometimes we don't, one, we can be sabotaging therapy and and not know it. So there's a motivation on that aspect, but also we might be doing things because we think it's normal or typical, and it's really our anxiety or OCD. And so we're parenting that way. Um, And I can totally throw myself under the bus on this one, you know, is being cognizant of like what your own things are. What are the things that you get nervous about? I was cutting my kids food way longer than I should have, you know, I was like choking is a number one theme for me. And 
hot dogs were being cut, you know, horizontally, they're not even toddlers, you know, they're like 15. I'm like, <laughs> the hot dog is being cut, you know, vertically. So they don't choke and like forget about grapes. And even the other day, my son's trying to pop Cheetos in his mouth and like pop it up in the air and catch it. And I'm like, stop doing that. You're going to choke. You know, and it's like being aware of the messages that we're sending are really important because sometimes they're trying to do regular kid stuff and our themes are coming in and interrupting that. Interesting. Yeah. It's, that's so true. I think that catching ourselves and the things that we're doing whether it's enabling or it's accommodating a child, it's hard sometimes to recognize because we, our brain says you're doing a good job. You're, you're cutting up the food the way you need to. And they stayed safe because of that. But without taking the risk and saying, I'm not cutting it up today. And the brain sometimes doesn't know that like they actually were safe anyway. And everything ended up being okay. That's one thing I, I have people do is like re- try to recognize those and write them down because we can easily forget. Write down all the accommodations or compulsions that are being done. And it's not get rid of all of them all at once, but what's one thing I can start working on and maybe risk and change in my life? Yeah. That's um, a good place to start. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think sometimes we focus on what accommodations we're doing for our kids and their anxiety or their OCD themes, you know, we're like, okay, check, check. I'm not doing that. Or maybe we do the space program and we're learning how to like pull back our accommodations, but then we don't look at our themes separate from that as well. And sometimes it gets normalized. I have worked with couples where they both have similar themes and like, I debate with the whole family. And I'm sure this happened to you too, where like, it's normalized, you know, what is normal, what's not, you know, and the view of normalcy is, is, through an anxiety or OCD lens. But I think sometimes when you start working on these things and you're in treatment or you're taking an online class, you know, cause you don't always have access, you start to realize like what is anxiety or OCD. And then you're like, oh my gosh, that's my anxiety or OCD, which can help. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's easier for someone else sometimes to point it out. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, you've been doing this thing for quite a while and we feel safe doing it and we don't know any better, but mm-hmm really taking an honest look at ourselves to call ourselves out even like you need to stop doing this yeah. <laughs> and not just stopping, but making it worthwhile by, by doing an exposure with it or yeah, changing these behaviors and kind of testing out the theory. Usually that's in our brains. Yeah. Can I sit with the hot dog that's cut in the opposite direction? <laughs> you know? Wow. That brought me a lot of discomfort. I mean, I was fortunate that my husband was like this rock who had like no anxiety. So he just, he'd give me that look like, uh, really, you know, and then I'd be like, oh, that's me. Huh? That's my anxiety. And now my kids just took over. And so there's so much growth that we can have as parents by learning from our kids and, and having them as the impetus of us changing, you know, now my whole family, we all call each other out on our different issues. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we have to put it in check, but my kids will call me out. They'll be like, they'll dress something weird. And I'm like, wait, you can't wear that to school. And they'll be like, mom, this is your social anxiety. Like I'm okay with these socks. And yeah, in the moment, it totally annoys me because they're 99% accurate. Most of the time, I don't want to call someone back. Why don't you call her back? You know, and, but it's empowering for my kids because it's nice for them to, to be able to help me and call me out and for me to call them out. And so it's not one-sided. I love that you have that family dynamic set up. (laughs) That definitely helps. It does. It does. And I think that if parents can realize that it will help, 
it will help the family dynamic. It'll make it a family thing. That's, that's the important thing. It's not going to be separate. It's not going to expend more energy. It's a, it's a family function. And so it'll help. Um, I'm a much better person because I'm working on that stuff than I would have been 17 years ago. I had my mm-hmm. first kid. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was thinking of, you know, you, you mentioned social anxiety. It's kind of, kind of the same for me, social anxiety growing up and learning how to manage that and do really well at like, the brain says, don't talk to that person. I'm going to go talk to them. Or it says, get out of line because you, everyone else behind you is angry. Like you're taking too long. And then like, I'm going to take maybe even longer to do it. They're like working on myself. I can pass that to my children. Then I'm like, there's no way you're getting out of this thing, even though, you know, I did as a child, no one told me any different. But like, I think that's one thing is like, we're helping ourselves. So we feel more freedom, but then we can pass that on to our children that hopefully can pass that on to maybe their children. Yeah, that's true. Right. Because there's this genetic component that how long do we want this to go down that genetic tree? And it's like, Genetically, it's there, but what we do with it, we get to decide. And so building those muscles, you know, teaching our kids by doing what we do and then teaching them, and then they'll teach their kids. That's beautiful. That's a gift to the tree, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to the genetic yeah. tree of anxiety and OCD. Absolutely. So where, where do you think it would be good for parents to even start recognizing their own struggles? Like what if a parent's listening and they're like, I don't. I don't know if my anxiety or OCD is bad enough to warrant getting my own help, or I don't know how it's impacting. Where should they start? I usually look at, well, for kids and actually even adults, I ask this question. So if you had a magic wand and you woke up tomorrow morning, you could use this magic wand and a few things were different in your life. What would you want them to be? And sometimes that can be pretty telling. It can be like, I wish I could change my child's diaper without feeling anxiety, or Mm -hmm. I wish I could let my child ride the bus without having to worry about them. I mean, whatever it could be, then it's like that, then that's an indication that's something that you'd like to change in your life. Or you can look at what are the things I don't want to do anymore that I don't think I need to be doing. Like I'm spending so much time cutting up this food you know, or accommodating my, you know, this thing, do I want to do that? And if not, then that's probably something to change. I think for most people, what I find is if they're questioning, if they should see a therapist, it's probably likely that they would benefit from it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen people that are very, very extreme into their OCD and some people that like barely just found out they have it and symptoms really aren't as bad but to just know what to do. Because I think that's the key is like, we don't have to wait for things to be bad to start. Just knowing the tools, even before things get bad can make quite the difference. Yeah, definitely. If you take the time, let's say it's very mild. You take the time to just learn about anxiety or OCD or about approaches to squash it. You're going to take that and you're going to apply it to your kids. And I really feel like it's when you practice your own stuff, you're so much better. Like you said, you'd worked on it or you like experienced this growing up. And so it's natural to train your kids in a way that, that you've already practiced. So mm-hmm. learning those things and doing it for yourself, you're going to be a much better coach for your kids versus sitting on the sideline, having your own struggles and just being like, I'm only going to focus on my kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Well, one thing that comes to mind is like, 
trying to think of well, what are people thinking about as maybe they're listening to this. And one thing that comes to mind is like where to start with some of this stuff is really just introducing uncertainty in the family life, like in a, almost all aspects of a child asks how long it's going to be till we get to wherever, even though you know the answer and you could say five hours, you can be like, yeah, it's five hours, six hours, two hours. One of those is going to be right. And to not, they don't need to know everything. Kids don't need to know everything. And we can, the more we practice that, we use that in our life just generally of like, do I need to know all these things or all these what ifs in my life that most of the time we don't. That if there's anxiety and there's not an immediate threat, we already know our brain's probably throwing out a false signal. So to introduce uncertainty on purpose and say, I'm willing to not figure this one out and just see what happens. Then I love that. Yeah. We, we tend to be happier. Yeah. And it, it's such a good point because I think sometimes parents might be hearing this and they're thinking, oh my gosh, okay, I have to find treatment or I have to find some book or, and just, that one simple step of in general, bringing sprinkling, you know, uncertainty into your life is something that we can all do. And it make and how uncomfortable does it make it? When, when Nathan said that, did you start to get anxious? You know, I could feel like I would get anxious and that's a sign that you want to lean into that, you know, and in, mm-hmm. in what areas can you, can you bring some discomfort? And it's so yeah, uncertainty, like I don't know. Lately, my daughter, my daughter has been like, this sounds, this is going to sound totally cruel, you know, but this is like life of living with an anxiety OCD therapist. She's like, I don't want the dog to die. And I, you know, I mean, her dad obviously just died. So this is really sad, you know, but she's like, I don't want the dog to die. Will the dog die? Yeah. The dog is going to die. You know, like we're going to have to sit with that. Hopefully not for a while. She's a chihuahua and luckily she's pretty young. So I'm like, thank the gods for that. You know, like yeah. we have some time, but not giving that reassurance, you know, like not being cruel, but will I throw up? I don't know, honey, you may or may not, you know, Mm. but I think sprinkling that reassurance, I mean, sprinkling that discomfort and not that reassurance in, in a lot of the things that we do and how we talk about things, not like ad nauseum, but I think in our world is a good start for the entire family. For sure. Because you think about anytime we give a reassurance or assurance of something, sometimes actually most of the time we don't actually know for sure. And sometimes the catastrophes do happen. And I think that's the hard part is our brain's really good at saying, I knew it. I knew I should have listened to this one thought out of the last million I had. This one finally came true. And we can't react upon those because we have lived uncertain for so long that something's bound to happen. I think of an example of my kids just started school this week. My five-year-old went to kindergarten for the first time. And the school sent out an email that said, like, don't worry, your kids won't get lost. We'll find They'll make sure they get on the right buses. Like no one asked for that email as far as I know, Mm -hmm. but I saw that. And I'm like, I mean, my first thought is like, she may or may not get on the right bus. And guess what happened? (laughs) I got a call, a voicemail that said, Hey, we lost your daughter. We don't (laughs) know where she is. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. And I'm like waiting at the bus stop and the bus hasn't come. And I'm like, uh oh. And then 10 minutes later, like we found her. She got on the wrong bus. And so it's like, see, there you go. You told me I didn't even warrant a reassurance, you know, anything. I was able to live uncertain. Maybe, maybe not. Might happen. Might she might get on the wrong bus. And it actually happened. You know, I think the chances of that were so slim 
but I'm not so devastated because I just told myself, all going to work out just great. I actually let life just be life. And I think that's what's important is we don't know everything and it's okay to not know everything. But we solve the problem, everything works out. I think that's the most important part is when there's a problem, we can solve it. When there's not a problem, there's nothing to solve other than just anxiety and thinking. That's such a good example. <laughs> that's like such a perfect example of them providing reassurance and and no one can guarantee anything, but you handled it, you know, and how often are we trying to handle situations that are not in front of us or we're jumping the gun? I love that. That's a good example. Yeah. My dog whining, <laughs> wanting to come in, but oh, well, <laughs> I will not edit that out. That'll just be part of the podcast. real life stuff. That's all right. You probably heard my kids crying in the back. So. Yeah. These real life, real life houses here. So that is yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I love that. I feel like just life approaches of how to sprinkle these things into our household will help, will help parents because they don't have to start somewhere fancy. I mean, they can, but I think just leaning into these things can be a great start. So I want to pivot. We're almost out of time. I want to talk about if parents are listening and they, they say, I'm feeling a little gung ho. Like, I think I want to, maybe I don't want to go out and get a therapist, although you can, you can always go to the International OCD Foundation at iocdf.org slash find dash help and find your own help. But if someone's like, it's not that bad, but I, I do want to educate myself. Can you talk a little bit about your courses that you offer? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're only able to practice in the States that we're licensed in. For me, it's Texas and Utah. And so I created an online course. I was really thinking about like, if I were to do this step-by-step with people who come through my office, what would it look like? And so I created an online course for people to do. It's not treatment per se of like, hey, you don't need to see a therapist, but it's really takes you through the treatment for OCD, like understanding yourself, where it comes from, medications, how to do the treatment, like with different worksheets and maintaining progress and how family can help all of that. I counted it up. There's 42 videos in that thing. That's a big course. Yeah. And I keep adding to it because I'm like, oh, this would be good to to add this. What we know is like OCD is OCD. And so there isn't like, you need to take a course on relationship OCD. It's like, actually, you just need an OCD therapist or Mm -hmm. my course works for all OCD topics. But it's just knowing like that knowledge is so important just to know what to do. Like the concept of uncertainty, it's easy just to throw out the window. Like, yeah, I'm not doing that. It's uncomfortable. But knowing how to implement it in your life, I think that's what the course is all about, is just kind of self-directed, go through it, and can be accessed anywhere. Yeah. And it's a good place to start because I do feel like, even though we, yeah, we would like people to see therapists, we'd like them to you know, pursue treatment and get that local support. The reality is a lot of people aren't going to do it. And a lot of people also want to maybe dabble first, or you know, there's a lot of barriers to therapy. Um, some people just want to absorb things in their couch. So it is a good place to start. And then I think OCD treatment is often counterintuitive. And so unlike anxiety, I feel like you need a little bit of a roadmap. You need a big roadmap to say, oh, this is what you do. And it's, this is the way you approach it. And so it's great that there's courses out there like yours that, that help parents, you know, help themselves and understand that. And it will help them help their kids and it will help them understand treatment for their kids as well, because they're going to get it based on how you're showing it. So that's Mm -hmm. awesome. 
Where yeah. can people learn about your class? Yeah, it's uh, ocdandanxietyonline.com. Which is a great oh. URL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was surprised no one had that, but I am too. <laughs> like, man, he's good. <laughs> I will yeah. leave a link in the show notes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I will leave a link in the description as well so that you guys can check out Nathan's online class classes. You have other classes too, right? Yeah, I just released a BFRB. So it's hair pulling, skin picking, and same type of deal is just kind of figuring out what would people want to know or what do they need to know as far as treatment goes? Because you think OCD therapists are hard to find, like BFRB therapists are really hard to find. Yeah. So this takes you through the treatment for that as well. And that, yeah, that's really good to see some online resources on BFRBs because yeah, I, I think a lot of clinicians aren't trained on that. And that that's another area, like the picking and the polling and all of those body-focused repetitive behaviors that if you're having or if your child has, great to be knowledgeable. Also, your YouTube channel, which has a great name too. How can people find you on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, OCD and anxiety. That's See? Really good. <laughs> yeah, and I'll put a link below. But also, I mean, if you just went to YouTube and typed in Nathan Peterson, your videos will pop up right away too. And they're definitely amazing. So even if nothing else, start off with your YouTube videos, they are phenomenal and they're on covered on every topic. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with everybody. Yeah. Thank you so much, Natasha. I appreciate it. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that interview. He's always so easy to talk to. Definitely check out his stuff. If you like my resources, you'll love his resources. We have a similar style and I think it's really good to have resources available that directly speak to you. You know, so for the parent, I get a lot of questions of where can I get direct help? And Nathan's stuff is fantastic. I also refer a lot of people over who are teens and young adults because you want resources that will help directly. And for those of you that were on the fence about getting your own support, I really hope that this was an impetus for you to say, you know what? I get it. I should put my own mental health as a, as a huge priority. Because that old cliche, that old cheesy cliche of like, you know, put your oxygen mask on yourself before you do your kids is real. You know, I mean, I get it from all the things I've been through that when I'm not okay, I, I cannot show up for my kids. And I've had to do a lot of work on myself in the last six months. And my kids are benefiting from it because I'm able to show up. Not all the time. Sometimes I'm really beastly. I actually had a moment last night that was very ugly. But then I reset and I get back and I tune in. And last night when that happened, I tuned in at the end after I was like nasty. And then I had to go back and re-tuck them in and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I sat down in my bed and I cried and I said, what, what happened to me? And I was like, you know what? Like, where did that start? Cause I thought I was having a good day. And I tried to really like go through my entire evening and see when did I start to get angry? When did my anger build up where I couldn't control it? Cause it wasn't about my kids. I was just feeling really angry. Walmart messed up my order. You know, I had to wait two hours in the parking lot for my like, you know, the first world problems. Um, and then they like charged me, but then they like only gave me half my groceries. And so that was part of it. Normally that wouldn't bother me too, too much, but when you have a lot of things piling up and you're already in a deficit, whether it's because your anxiety or OCD is really bad, or for me, you know, I'm, I've got the grief thing going on, being clued into that and saying, okay, that's why that happened and having self-compassion as well and saying, it's okay, Natasha, <laughs> how I talk to myself. Tomorrow's a new day. You've got a lot going on. You know, 
Next time, let's clue in a little bit sooner or whatever. That's what I'm going to teach you in the self-care series, stuff like that. Not that you have to be perfect or superhuman because obviously I just threw myself under the bus and I'm not, but that's what we're going to be talking about. So I hope that this episode kind of sparked an interest to maybe focus on yourself and see that that's actually going to benefit your kids and join us in the self-care series that has already started that you can absolutely start to join us. Um, We're just getting started and you can go to uh, atparentingsurvivalseries.com and start getting those videos and join the Facebook group that is only open for the series and start benefiting from that too. So don't forget to check out Nathan's stuff. I will leave links in the show notes. It's ocdandanxietyonline.com and uh, go to YouTube, just plug in his name. I'll leave a link in the show notes uh, and you'll find it, but you can just literally type in his name and his videos will pop up. So that won't be too difficult. I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. I hope that you find that this is part of your routine and maybe it's part of your self-care routine to learn and absorb and hear, you know, how I'm messing up my life. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But hear like real things and get some real advice that resonates and works and helps you and your family. If you are enjoying the podcast, you know, I always love it when you hit a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast. For those of you that take the time to actually write a review, I greatly appreciate that. Um, It's a great way to give back and to always show my gratitude. I read one of them if one is available. And so I want to say thank you to S. Sauls, who wrote a great podcast. So thankful to have found this podcast. Natasha's topics and tips are so helpful. She is so easy to listen to and gives so much practical advice. Thank you, Natasha. Well, thank you for taking the time. I mean, really, I really appreciate when people just spend that extra five seconds and they take the time. Let me go to my iPad and let me write a review. I appreciate every single person who does that because it really does impact the ability for the show to get into more people's ears. I was going to say more people's hands, but it's really their ears, right? So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 